back, but we haven't done like an online, you know, like Twitter Spaces style thing. You know, we could do it yeah. live on on YouTube or something like that. So we an should option. do that if if our dear listeners would be into that. I mean, let us know after you listen to this episode whether that's something you've been longing for. <laughs> longing, yeah, <laughs> profound um, sense of longing. So it's interesting that. I was going to say this was our first episode in the new year, but it's actually not true. False. This will be our second. Um, but it's the first time you and I have sort oh, of true. hung out. In a way, yeah. this is something, yeah, it feels new, feels like there's a comfortable. lot. <laughs> comfortable. And I, I will say, I mean, you know, many people are saying that our first 2024 episode with young whippersnapper Aaron Sibarium was a return to form. I actually saw those precise words. Wisdom good. of crowds is returning to form. Thank God they're back. So oh, good, good, good. I mean, I, it's funny. I, 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 I like to think of return to form as just me and you BSing about stuff. Um, we'll see if we're, we'll be able to return to form today. But people appreciate us as like piercing interviewers who are open to opinions that we don't share or disagree with. I think people people want that. Yeah. And there's actually not enough of it. Yeah. But we don't have to toot our horn too much. No. Um, since it is a new year and we haven't had a proper wisdom of crowds catch up, you and I, I'm curious, and I'll, I hope I don't catch you by surprise here, I'm, I'm curious about what you found out when you were abroad during the holiday in Croatia and elsewhere in the Balkans. Is there anything that... Like just having more time to be on your own, to not um, to not be too preoccupied by American politics in the imperial capital. What like what was going on through your mind? What like did you find that helpful? Were you able to separate yourself a little bit? So yeah, you know, Shadi, the the reality is is that like this was not a terribly relaxing or um. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, I didn't get a feeling that I I, I got away from anything. Um, Why? The, the reality is, is that like I was, uh, you know, my mom got a little sick. I was still a little sick. I feel like I've been sick one way or another since Thanksgiving. Um, well, actually, even before Thanksgiving, I got COVID in like mid October, but that was so mild and whatever. But then I got like pretty sick over Thanksgiving. Then I, you know. Uh, got better for about a week, then got sick again. Then I traveled, was sick then again in Croatia. So actually, like, didn't leave Zagreb at all. And I was working, um, you know, because we we're sort of short-staffed over the holidays. And I was like, well, I can work remote; it'll be fine. And so, um, I, I uh, the only realization I got from ending the year and being away from DC had absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, it really was about um, having to just try and be a lot better uh, in the new year about like not letting uh, myself be preoccupied with the world and work 24-7. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds sort of like a New Year's resolution-y thing, but I, I think to put it in less in – less, um, uh, dramatic terms, or maybe more dramatic terms. I really, I feel like I burnt out last year. I just, it's, I, I was, I was just out of juice by the end of it, like completely and utterly out of juice. And 
it had to do, I mean, it's the first year at the new job, you know, you're, you're sort of trying to be on more and, and, um, and always there. And I just found that I think, you know, uh, following the Ukraine war, then, I mean, by the end of the, the year, the, now the war in the Middle East, um, and then just sort of constantly feeling that you're on all the time. Uh, it's just, hmm. I, I'm, 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 I'm out of juice. I'm out of juice. So I'm trying to be a lot better about that to, to, just be more uh, careful about, you know, when I'm off the, the, when I'm not at work to not be thinking about work. Um, I haven't yet made good on the idea that I'm going to set aside reading time for non-internet reading, but I think I need to do that as well because I think by the end of the year, and I did find that that in Croatia as well, I, I just, you know, I'd, I'd pick up a book and I'd be like unable, unable to process it. Um, just unable to get anywhere on it so i don't know um new year new attempt to sort of regain uh some level of balance i guess wow okay so there's that so but if i recall i mean last year i i feel like you read books i mean i remember you telling me about like long books that you were reading and diving into that weren't directly related to work no 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 for sure true uh i just found that by the end of the year i was i and i think that's just sort of part of part of uh the burnout thing that i was um just yeah. unable unable right like just so, unable to do so when you're alone let's say on vacation in in croatia obviously you're spending some time with your parents but you obviously also have quite a bit of alone time, not to presume that you don't have friends in Croatia. No, but... I don't really. Truth <laughs> is, I don't. I mean, uh, it's just family. It's it's always just family time. Yeah, right? so that I've probably never... gives you more time to just do your own thing and be alone in the room, in your room. And do, do, you, do you take that time to reflect? It sounds like you did because you came to these conclusions about how you want to structure your year and think about it differently. But do you feel like, there's a lot of self-reflection that's going on in that context. You know, I mean, well, let's 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 have a conversation about about these sorts of things. I mean, you know, the I I it's uh I guess as the year is winding down, I think the the reflections were less about, you know, uh, about anything concrete and more reflections about um about like the reality of what burnout is, um, hmm. and and um, so tell us what does it feel like? Okay, for those so, that, so here's for the thing: our listeners who haven't experienced burnout, I don't I know. Mean, if there I mean, I don't know. People have like you experienced that, but, it? You think? Oh, totally. I totally know what burnout feels like, but maybe not to the extent that you're describing. We'll find I, out. I'll say this, Shadi. I and I, w- I found it really striking is that I realized at a certain point in the last probably two months of the year, um, I lost. What's just like the simplest way to describe is uh, inner monologue. Like that just inner life completely disappeared, just completely in the sense hmm. that 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 I was um, – I mean I was executing, just doing, 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 but incapable of reflecting. So I mean obviously I did some reflecting over you know the last two months of December – but it was almost uh, this like mute reflection over the fact that I was no longer able to reflect. 
You know, that sounds that sounds like really meta, but I mean, that's a, I, I think that's about as accurate as I can get at it. You know, um, and uh, it's it 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 just really I found it jarring when I when I sort of realized that I said, "My God, I don't I don't really have like an inner life anymore." <laughs> and uh, um, and I said, "You know, that's that's not how I usually am. That's just not that's just not me." Um, and, and, uh, you know, is that like, and I thought about it, is that, is that depression? Am I sad about something? It's not, it's not depression. It's just, I mean, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I I don't go to shrinks. I don't know what these, these terms actually end up meaning, but it's, it's, it, it, I really do think it was just like a level of, of mental exhaustion, exhaustion. just such complete thoroughgoing exhaustion. Well, tell me more about how sadness fits into this. So you say that, you know, depression is obviously something more severe and and sort of clinical in a way. But sadness, I mean, presumably you're able to know whether or not you're feeling sad. I mean, sadness is something that can be perceived. I don't think, I mean, is it too confusing to know whether you're sad? Um. Well, I don't know. I let let's just disambiguate that. I mean, again, I don't know. I I think you dabble in this sort of you know care of the self <laughs> stuff a lot more than I do, so maybe you can guide me on it. But it's uh it's uh uh I don't I don't generally feel sad. I feel like heavy and listless and um and insofar as like when I would say something like oh man I'm like I'm feeling down or depressed, it's not usually emotional sadness as much as just like really heavy going lethargy and like a narrowing of of personal horizons in the sense that you just like Mm. you're not like you're you're no longer like thinking about the future making plans for the future and that's why i was sort of saying about about this exhaustion why i was saying like well is it depression or is it something else um it's similar in that sense is that like you know it's a it's a the narrowing of horizons to the point where not only am i not like thinking about plans in the future i'm just like almost not existing out of fatigue <laughs> do you know what i mean like existence just sort of compressed onto a almost to the like existing in the very present do you know what i mean like just nothing wow um but I think it's fatigue because mm. you know as I've as I've now tried to like be more mindful of uh of encroaching of not um letting myself like I don't know just be obsessed with work stuff and like continue working and then you know I especially where where that gets really crushing is um in previous jobs I wouldn't mind working remote that much um because the time shift of the demands of you know working at a think tank or when you're actually just like doing creative stuff is 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 one thing but when you're part of a team and you're you're producing stuff like you really have to be on and especially you know like sort of the the newspaper schedule you're you have to be like it it sort of even gets a little more hectic towards the end of the day so the six hour time difference like the most Mm. intense part of the day is coming up around like 11 p.m and then you're you know then really like work and sleep and life just it all melds into one. And I think that was the part that sort of even, you know, made that fatigue even more uh, apparent to me. Um, so in in this circumstance of lethargy, 
like, would you, when you would wake up in the morning, would you have to really put a lot of effort to kind of like, cause you had to do work. Like you don't, with your job, as you say, you don't, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. You have to get things done, but that must've been tough if you were feeling exhausted and almost non-existing, but you still had to be at meetings. You still had to go get stuff done. You still had to meet deadlines. Like, did you just, it was that just a matter of sheer willpower where you forced yourself to do things or was that part not that like, cause I'm just curious, like what it looks like over the course of a day to feel so burned out, but then like, how does your morning look in that kind of context? So, so, you know, I think like what I was finding is like you wake up in the morning and then, uh, when you don't have like a strict deadline, like say, you know, your morning check-in call and you're like meeting with the team and like planning out what you need to do. Uh, that's all your, that's all that's sort of looming over you is that. So your waking hours sort of are just consumed with the fact that this is coming. I think it's always easier when um, you're actually dealing with people and have a, you know, sort of like a, a tight schedule to go do stuff because then um, – then you're not – then you don't have to be sort of self-motivated. You know what I mean? Like then then the logic of the schedule sort of motivates you and you're mm. you're, you're on the, the thing. And it actually, you know, I mean I, like in the last week I've been sort of thinking about uh, as you sort of try and like regiment your time a little bit more and not allow these sorts of encroachments. Um, I think it was like – isn't it in those like Ben Franklin writings uh, about how to be a successful person where he – actually micromanaged and scheduled his own time down to like the the 15 minute uh thing and you know has has sort of just that kind of schedule that kind of regimentation that's just completely alien to me i i I can't do that but i see i see some of the sort of potential wisdom of that is like you know is to to keep yourself not only just to keep you on task but also to keep these separate spheres of life um, apart from each other. But to answer your question, basically, it's, I, I, you know, once you're sort of in the grind and you've got stuff to do and you've got to do it by a certain amount of time, that's not so hard. It's, um, it's just that when you realize you're like, oh, I, I want to go do something else and you can't because you're so tired. And then even when you have some time to yourself, you're just like the next thing is looming. And again, that's just, it, it's, I'm just trying to sort of give you a sense of that, that compressing everything into the into this like tight ball of existence in the present with no inner life and like no <laughs> sense of 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 anything. Um This is actually quite vivid and and fascinating. Um and Does it resonate? I mean, with your sort of exhaustion burnout stuff or or you experience that stuff differently? Yeah, like I, so this idea of non-existence resonates a little bit, so there are definitely times because I've had a lot going on simultaneously the last couple months and also a new job, new pressures, the war in Gaza, trying to also finish my book on power. Um, so like looming deadlines, pressure, so on and so forth. And um, they're just they're just times where. I just don't want to like this desire to do nothing, this desire to just like, and the problem is even things that would otherwise be considered like fun or enjoyable, like reading a novel still take 
a certain amount of mental exertion mm -hmm. to like read the page and to engage and to get into the book. And it just sort of like, oh, is this just another thing that I have to do? Mm. Like, when does this end? I just want to do, I want to have like the absence of thought. I, I find that TV shows, especially ones that are like not very um, intellectually involved, like police procedurals can help in that. Mm. Because you can just like you, all you have to do is like look at the screen. But do that, does that rejuvenate you though? Because that's the thing. I think that the the hole I was in is that doing nothing actually didn't give me any sort of extra charge. And that was what was so troubling about it is that like it's not that I'd have the thought like boy I really want to do nothing and doing something is hard. It was that like doing nothing was also just it like it didn't. It's it, imagine like a. Like a, you have an old phone with the batteries just fucked, you know what I mean? And and then you like charge it up, and you're like, oh man, it says it's charging, but then you unplug it, and it's still like a two percent, you know? Like maybe you <laughs> yeah. left it overnight, and and that's what it felt like is 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 that, you know? Like Sisyphus on the mountain. Yeah, but not even pushing a thing because that's still it's there, still you're not, yeah you're not even because push you're not even pushing something nothing up. it's just yeah. like nothing and and it's like fatigue uh, you know just another sort of anecdote I mean and this is like before I realized it that the extent to which um, uh, this was sort of happening um, so I, I don't know when that was I think it was probably like early um, December I just I, I went I went. Um, bird photographing um and i like i caught some good photos that i was like kind of pleased with myself but then i was looking at them um and i realized that like i wasn't really there when i was taking the photographs you know what i mean like the photographs were kind of um proof that i was there and i like remember taking them but the and this is what I mean about like the batteries not recharging is that, that, you know, I did that. I went, like, I got up early to go photograph birds. Cause I was like, here's something I enjoy doing. I'm going to go do something that I enjoy and it would like charge me up. And then I realized afterwards that like, I didn't have like a, 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 a being there <laughs> experience of something that I did. And like retroactively, I was like, oh, that was cool. I could, I could verbally tell you, oh, that was cool. And I could tell you where I went. I can even figure out what day it was. And like, you know, I can conjure up the day. I just wasn't there at the time, at the moment. And therefore- You mean you weren't present? I wasn't present in any way. You know what I mean? Um, and not and not in the sense of just like, again, some kind of like weird Zen things. Like, oh, yeah, man, like my ego wasn't there, but I was just like one with nature. No, 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 nothing like the opposite of that, you know? Wait, so what were you thinking about while you were taking pictures of the birds? Like you were just completely focused on other things while you were taking the pictures? It's that's that's exactly not it. I, I'm just trying to sort of gesture at this like at this like, you know, uh, uh collapse of inner life that's the only way that's another way to so sort the of absence illustrate of thought it. it's the not so much that you were thinking about other things is that you were thinking of nothing at yeah, all yeah like i mean i was clearly there but i was that and that's again it's just another way to sort of like capture this like growing exhaustion do you know what i mean of just like the battery's not getting charged like i'm doing something that like with no nothing looming it's like saturday i'm gonna go photograph some birds in a park and uh and just that, yeah. Just so during during this period of time, what? So when you weren't hanging out with friends, um, our group of friends or others or whoever, and you were just alone at home and you were trying not to do work, 
let's say it was like uh, eight uh, or nine p.m. Like what? Like what would the activity be? As you get like later into the night and you're trying to avoid doing any work. No, no, mind you, I, I, that's part of the problem. I wasn't trying to avoid doing any work. That's a New Year's resolution. I'm trying to now like. Oh, after... but, but presumably at eight or nine p.m., there's not a whole lot more you could do. Or, no, but or I'm, you I'm were still finding things. To I'm, do? St- I'm not like so. It's it's more like you know. It's it's. I guess it's analogous to your sort of you know uh, your obsession last year of not reading the news. And I was just like reading the news all the time. Oh, really? Uh, and and it's or you know or looking for stuff to read or like what are the people talking about? Like what what's on Twitter? What's trending? Like keeping up with stories, reading these essays and stuff like that. Um, and that sounds exhausting. Yeah, right. And it's 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 having an iPad or something like that. And you know, I mean, again, I realized that towards the end of the year, I I wasn't uh, trying to engage, or I mean, I wasn't even. I mean, I just wasn't engaging with like longer form books and just falling into this sort of. I don't know, ongoing thing. And and to what extent would hanging out with friends be a kind of relief? Like, did you feel like that even required you to be on? And you had to, or was that something that really felt refreshing relative to everything else? Yeah, by the end of the year, I mean, I I wouldn't say it was refreshing. I mean, like what, what's great about good friends is that it's not, uh, there's no, overhead to spending time with people you like. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, going out and, you know, dealing with interacting with a bunch of strangers and meeting new people. And that has overhead for me. That's that's uh, more tiring, you know. But um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, it, it wasn't like rejuvenating by the end of the year. Um I don't know. I saw you and 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 Christina, our friend Ani, the other weekend. That was much better. And like you know, uh, we had some people over at my house yesterday as well. Like that was that was fine. That was. But I, it's also I think it's just because I'm just starting to reassert some level of balance. Mm. And and I'm like, but there were strangers last night or people yeah, that you didn't yeah. know well. That, yeah. So that was fine. That was fine. You didn't feel what, exhausted afterwards. I mean, I, I always feel a little exhausted with strangers, but. Um, <laughs> But it was fine. Well, the hope is that over time they cease to be strangers. Ideally. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're, how does how does cooking fit into this? Because <laughs> you, you enjoy cooking and you do stuff from scratch. And it seems like, you know, that's been a passion of yours over the years. Does that give you some kind of relief? No, no. I mean, again, like I said, like I think by the end of this year, nothing was. Um, not but even. how about just in general cooking? Is that therapeutic? The act of cooking and coming up with new dishes and so forth. Oh, I'm not. I'm not like a chef. I don't come up with new dishes. I just yeah, like, man. No, like I didn't invent anything. I just like find stuff and then like make it. Yeah, but you're kind. You're kind of mixing and matching, and you're. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you come up with like sauces and marinades. You yeah. like sauces. I like sauces. <laughs> That green sauce that you do, which I've never had anywhere else. Yeah, you've been to a Peruvian chicken place. You've had it there. I mean, have I? Well, maybe you haven't. You should go to a Peruvian chicken place. That's where the green sauce comes from. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no. Um, well, anyway, so so that's for me and, and the new year. Anyway, on to the it's turning a new leaf and all of that. I mean, I think it'll be fine. Um, you know you know, what was on my mind? I guess I was going to ask you because mm. the other thing that's, that's – uh, that that we're recording right now. Um, I don't know if you've been following quite so closely, but uh, we may be on the verge, and probably by the time this this goes out, 
for publication. Um, War. We may be. We may be. Yeah, like bombing the Houthis, right? Um, so I don't know. You know, I was sort of reflecting about that earlier today, and it, it's it's been yeah, just you know, two years of of war, but not really the United States at war. Lots of proxy stuff. Uh, you know, again, like my life was suffused by it, just sort of overpaying attention to it. But then I was thinking about like overpaying attention. I mean, even that is a kind of incredible luxury. And I wondered, I wondered to myself, like, do you ever think about the fact that, that we really might be careening into something that really is like civilization changing? You know, I mean, it's, I think it's almost a commonplace to, to point out that, 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 uh, we live in very unstable times and you say like, oh, you know, very dangerous and all of that. And I think we, we even mean it when we say it. But I wonder if we – if you ever really think about like what – where we might be heading on this. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean I've written like – Like how bad could it possibly get and you know, what that I, might look like? I, I was even thinking like, you know, it's, did I write both of them last year? I certainly won a version last year and probably the maybe a year before about like, you know, how we're not serious about foreign affairs and, and – uh, and, you know, how this generation of leaders just like, I don't know, we think in cliches and we don't, we're not like, we don't take these things quite deadly seriously enough and how things are going off the rails. And then I just like, I almost like took a step back and, and thought to myself, like, wait, even though I'm writing these sorts of things and being like, oh, no one's serious enough. Like, am I even being serious enough? Have I even really internalized what like a proper, a proper war might look like and how close we are to it? Do you ever think about that? Um, even as you a know, proper you obsess- war, as opposed to as I opposed mean- to a proper war that we're at, we're in the United States is in, uh, and I mean proper, even more so than sending troops to Afghanistan, or you know, presumably in a couple hours we'll have you know our troops uh, actively engaged bombing targets uh, in the Middle East. Um, I mean, I mean, like. You know. I mean, I think about that in terms of a potential conflict with with China, which I see as a proper war. I don't really see, I don't see like bombing the Houthis or you know um, our involvement in 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 helping Israel find targets in Gaza. I'm not fully up to speed with um, how much of that we're doing, but I, I was seeing some articles and discussion about that um, just earlier today, but. Uh, but none of none of those actually are full fully fledged wars that America is a direct right. participant in and the only the only one that I can really think of is with a, another great power there aren't many other great powers i'm not even sure if russia is a quote unquote great power but you know russia and china obviously those would be um proper wars in a way that we haven't had in quite some time. And I think it's probably true that I can't fully grasp what that would look like. And you've you've done more of that kind of thinking of what if China invades Taiwan and then we get involved as as direct participants, what that actually looks like in terms of commitment of forces and, and so on. I don't know. I just don't. I'm not I'm not fully there in terms of grasping that. And maybe I'm I'm not capable of grasping that. I think for many of us in our generation, like it's really hard for us to understand what that would look like. Yeah, I mean... And what it would feel like. But even, you know, I mean, even what you just said, I mean, I'm not pointing it out to like ding you on it because I think we're all guilty of it. But, you know, it's like, is to to say something like, oh, well, 
you know, bombing the Houthis. That's not a real war. I mean, we're sending no. You said proper. You a said proper a, war. No, sure, a proper war. But even that, when you think about it, like what kind of what kind of like imperial luxury we live in, right? Okay, but I but we've grown up with with much more advanced kind of military involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, those were that that was at a at a much more significant scale than than what we're likely to have in the coming weeks or months in yeah, this regard. Yeah. So I feel like we. I mean. The Iraq War was a proper war. I mean, it wasn't one where there was any doubt of who would ultimately win. And that's, well, I guess in a way, it did turn out that there was ultimate, but it it wasn't like there there was another force that we were contending with in Iraq that could defeat America in a kind of conventional sense, right? And that's what made it, I think, in some ways, not a proper war that we that we never had to actually face the prospect of real defeat. And there's no draft, so you and I are can just like sit and, and stroke our chins and never have to contemplate actually sacrificing or putting our lives on the line. Uh, me, you, and our like entire class, right? Um, there's uh, there's that. Do you have any? By the way, do you have any like soldier friends? I mean, I think it is really worth noting that our generation was probably the first where we, in our circles of friends, it was relatively difficult to find people. I mean, I know people who served in, in Iraq and, and Afghanistan because I'm in policy circles. So people who end up having senior positions at the Defense Department and they previously served in Iraq, but like not not but, close. I'm friends, thinking yeah. more of huh? Not close friends, yeah, yeah. Like not yeah. organic, like not like organically, like someone who we just happen to be friends with who happened to serve right in Iraq or Afghanistan. That to me was much more rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember this one. One of the people I knew from Baltimore, uh, I think, went and joined up at some point. Uh, he played in a band, um, but yeah, no. I mean, again, like it's it's so class stratified and such a such a weird set of divides. But you know, it's like I was I was um, I was thinking about that though. Again, it's so so. You know, you and I are not likely to to be called up uh, and sort of sacrifice our lives. But it's it's. Uh, it's even imagining um, the kind of disruptions uh, – like – so one of the things that people write about and talk about with China, right, uh, far short of war is this kind of – this idea of um, uh, you know, disentangling ourselves and, and pulling out of their economy and, and, and um, you know, as a matter of policy, like this needs to be done and you know, globalization to this extent is – has made us vulnerable, et cetera. But, you know, it's, it's uh, even as you watch sort of sanctions on, on Russia and things like that, it's like businesses constantly find a way. There's so many loopholes that goes through these things. So as a peacetime policy measure, and, you know, with Russia, it's not even like fully peacetime, um, it still somehow like reasserts itself. It's like one, one test of trying to think of what like a truly cataclysmic war uh, would look like is that we back here not fighting because you know we're not of the fighting class um would all of a sudden find our normal lives transformed by uh the kind of upheaval there'd be shortages like you know um all of a sudden technology is no longer affordable do you know what i mean like most stuff it just stops being because we don't make it here and Taiwan yeah. is being bombed and, you know, it's just like all those supply chains for those things disappear. There's, uh, you know, I mean, the, again, America's like longstanding advantage has been it's sort of like autarkic 
uh, ability to sort of sustain itself. But even that would take some time for us to like spool all of that up. So those kinds of pressures, that kind of stuff, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, 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 I sometimes wonder how close we are to those kinds of changes and how uh, blithe we are about everything. Um, but doesn't capitalism always find a way? Well, so that's part of it, right? Uh, I was talking to someone about this last night. Um, you know, uh, capitalism as our generation knows it and even like the generation before it um, – is in a lot of ways tied to this kind of capitalism that came up after Nixon took us off the gold standard. This when, you know, currencies started uh, basically trading freely against each other and you, you and capital found it easier to travel across borders and investment happened. We're like globalization really properly kicked off. And 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 that's maybe that's another way to think about it. I think it's a good way to to uh, to point that out is that what would it feel like – what would it take to stop globalization? I think it would take that kind of big war to do it. Yeah. Um, and do we have any idea of how jarring and wrenching that would be? I mean maybe, maybe uh, you know, to take the leftist critique, maybe all this globalization stuff has gone too far and, you know, maybe there's a silver lining and sort of ripping it all up. But it's – I guess that those are sorts of feelings I've been I've yeah. been having lately as we sort of sit here at the cusp of yet another potential military engagement that potentially could be broader. But how in the jarring Middle would East. it be on a daily basis? And I, I'm I'm wondering to what extent there was a kind of displacement in in Western Europe and Germany, in particular, after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Obviously, not that much, but you'll have a better sense of how how jarring that was for Germans on a daily basis. I mean, how jarring was it? Uh, energy prices went up, food went up, like it's more expensive. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, but again, Russia just provides energy, which is not nothing. I mean, so it, it like it's cost of living across the board. Um, I mean, does that really affect people's lives in the way that you're like, so well, when does some- I, you know, I mean, it's a good point in the sense that, that Europe hasn't really snapped out of it yet or snapped into a new reality yet. That's why they're still dragging their feet on Ukraine, perhaps a little less so than we are at this point, but uh, like a a level of complacency is still there as well, and they haven't. And again, I mean, that was sort of what I was saying about, um, uh, to your point about capitalism finds a way. I mean, for all the sanctions on Russia, there's all this sort of research that keeps bubbling up every so often that in fact, yeah, capital has found a way around these sanctions, you know, like I saw some statistic that Poland's uh, trade with Belarus and Kazakhstan is through the roof in the last two years. I was like, <laughs> okay. Wow, really? Yeah. And I mean, that's clearly loopholes that some companies have found out to, you know. They're Can't sudden, we close the loopholes well, once we find out about them? Presumably, and perhaps they will be. But it's, as you said, capital finds a way or capitalism hmm. finds a way. Um, but so it's the question is like, you know, what what would it look like if 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 there really was no way? And I mean, that's that's where like that's where you're looking at that kind of real big war, the kind of like world changing war. That's not, again, uh, these like not fully full wars, even though, like I said, that's sort of like a, a very comfortable. It's 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 comfortable to declare that thing for, you know, a war that kills a bunch of people anyway. Um, but just, you know. It feels it feels just like 
You yeah. mean so the existent that feeling of existential dread? No, it's not. I mean, I, I think that's the part that that I'm getting at. It's not the dread because unlike those other essays where you know you felt like where I felt like when I wrote them that that um, you know I did have a sense of dread and it felt like maybe we weren't up to the challenge. I, I guess I'm approaching it from a slightly different sense, which is that like almost an acknowledgement that for any amount of sort of intellectual dread I might have about the world changing, I actually find it incomprehensible to fully internalize what like these kinds of changes might be like, largely mm. because we have lived in a time of such unprecedented prosperity. I mean, the only other parallel, again... Progress. Uh, you just admitted that... The, oh, prosperity, I slipped. said. No, I said prosperity because, because, again, I was just about to pivot to that. You know the 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 most the most poignant sort of writing about all of this stuff is people who uh, truly enjoyed uh, the late nineteenth and early twentieth century ahead of World War One, and then under and then experienced the world after World War One. Um, the level of prosperity, um, just you know, shared wealth, uh, general freedom in the European context, not globally, you know. But nevertheless, um, and how that was just upended one year, and uh, arguably the content, the continent never recovered. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we're 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 sort of as close as we can be living to another pre World War One moment. Maybe more globally. Maybe that prosperity is shared more broadly. But it's it's simply incomprehensible for someone living in in uh, you know. Uh, turn of the century, turn of the 20th century, turn of the 19th century, um, uh, to imagine that world just completely disappearing, you know? That's it for part one, dear listeners. There's a lot more where that came from. If you're not yet a paying subscriber, please head on over to wisdomofcrowds.live and become one. Help support our work. Hope to see you in the bonus. 